Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to our slash malicious compliance. For in today's episode, OP's parents think they know best and it ends up costing them a lot. Guys, the lineup of stories today are super duper satisfying, so I hope you enjoy them, subscribe if you haven't, and the email link will be posted if you want to share your own stories. Let's dive in. Okay, so I deliver food for a major company for a living. And while most customers are very nice, we do get the occasional person who drives us crazy. And I had the pleasure of delivering to a wonderful Karen, who requested her food be delivered at 5.30pm on the dot. I left the store at 5.20pm, knowing it would take 10 minutes to get there. On this day, I end up getting stuck behind slow drivers, and I arrived at 5.34pm, and the woman flips out. As soon as I get there, she's screaming at me that if she requests something for a specific time, it better be there at that time. No sooner, no later. Now I do get where she's coming from, but due to a variety of reasons, including drivers not wanting to drive dangerously to deliver food, we can't guarantee that it'll happen on the dot. So I try to tell her this, but she isn't having it. She didn't tip me, but that was no surprise given her reaction. She told me next time if she calls for delivery and I'm not there on the dot, she won't take the food and she'll have me reprimanded, aka fired or something. The following week, the same woman orders again for 5.30pm. This time, we had more help in the store, so I got to take the order out earlier than normal. I thought, you know what, F it, and I went to get something to eat. I park on the next street over, eating my food slowly, and then delivered the woman's food at exactly 5.30pm. This time, she was on her phone. She didn't say a word to me, she just shooed me off without a tip, again. The process repeated, and I came to enjoy having some quiet time to eat, even if I wasn't getting tipped by her. So one day, I was in a particularly mischievous mood, and I decide to just park right outside of her house 15 minutes early and eat my food. As soon as 529 rolls around, I get out of my car, walk to her house, ring the doorbell just in time for 5.30pm. The Karen immediately whips her door open and she yells at me. She's screaming, Have you been sitting outside my house this whole time with my food? It better not be cold now. I tell her yes, that I was sitting outside the whole time, and then she screamed, Why in the world would you not bring it to me then, idiot? At this, I smile, and then I replied, Ma'am, because you specifically told me that when you order something for 5.30, you want it at 5.30. No sooner, no later. And I was afraid if I brought it to you too early or too late, you'd have me reprimanded, as you've said. Hearing this, the woman starts sputtering at this point, and she throws out an ugh before grabbing her food, before grabbing her food, slamming the door, and I'm thinking in my head, checkmate, Karen. No tip again, but it was worth it. Guys, I love how that woman realized that she was defeated at that point, and she just lets out an ugh before slamming the door in OP's face. Hey, can't have me fired if I do exactly what you said, right? Okay, so this story happened a few years ago to me. I was at a fast food restaurant, and my food had just been made, and my order number had been called. 
I saw them call the number and put the food down at the same time. Now, the sandwich that I ordered had the restaurant's spiciest sauce, which was an extremely spicy sauce made from ghost peppers. According to Google, it's 400 times more spicy than the normal sauce you'd find sitting on a table at a restaurant. As I walked up to pick up the tray with food, an older woman, who we'll call Karen, picks up the tray with my food in it. Now, I do confront her about it politely, and I let her know that that was actually my food. I had the receipt with the correct order number that had been called, and everything on the tray matched the purchased food on the receipt. Now, Karen completely ignored the receipt, and she insisted that it was hers. She went on and on about how it was really hers because she ordered first, blah blah blah, and it doesn't matter about the number that was called. Now, I tried to tell her that it is indeed mine, and my order is really spicy, but she wouldn't have it. She told me to just let her enjoy her meal and to leave her alone. So that's exactly what I did, knowing full well that the ghost pepper sauce was on the sandwich. I wasn't hungry anyway, so I decided to sit down, drink my drink, and watch Karen take a bite into her sandwich, and then realize that there's ghost peppers in the sandwich. So the next thing I know, Karen gets sent to the hospital because she's highly allergic to ghost peppers. I'm just kidding, that part didn't happen. Karen was steaming mad, and instead of complaining to the staff about the potential wrong order, she comes marching over to me and she starts yelling that I should have warned her about the ghost peppers. She starts yelling that I knowingly tried to harm her by telling her that my order was hers, so I could watch her suffer. Before I could say anything back, management asked me if Karen was bothering me. I say yes, and at that point, she was asked to either quiet down and leave me alone, or she can get out of the store. I then got my meal remade and also received a free meal for next time. Guys, I am so baffled by this. Like, how the heck can she fault OP for that? Opie clearly told her many times that it was their food, and she still took the food. And then she has the audacity to come back to say that Opie did it on purpose to watch her suffer. Excuse me, Karen? (laughs) Like, some people are just too freaking ridiculous. I live in the capital of a Central European country, and recently visited my parents at the countryside. They need me to help deal with some trees they wanted to cut down. Now, I assume they wanted to finally make short work of the semi-healthy trees along the driveway that kept branching onto the driveway. But no, they decide that the whole row of beaches at the southeastern corner of the property had to go. Now, you should know three things here. Number one, those trees are really tall, like 15 meters tall, about 50 feet. Number two, There's an equally high barn just a few meters behind those trees on the neighbor's property, to the south. It's pretty old, but it's been renovated time and time again to serve as a storage and party location. And number three, in front of the trees are compost containers, a crooked walnut tree, and bushes that my mom planted, creating an area of only 7 meters, 23 feet, for the trees to land, without breaking anything. It's also important to note that my sister lives in the big city, and she's not present when these events took place. She and I are actually the co-owners of the house, as my father transferred ownership to us some years ago. So far, those beaches had survived their fair share of storms, and they'd probably become a problem as they kept growing. And since we also have new neighbors on the property boarding the eastern side, who are building a house, it would be their problem as well. So I agreed that they had to go. However, my parents wanted to fell the trees by themselves, meaning my dad would be the one to operate the chainsaw on them. Now, he worked as a technician before retiring, and always did a lot of repair and building work in and around the house. But my father's now past 70, and he's adopted a rather unhealthy lifestyle after leaving the workforce. 
and his eyesight and motor skills, while still perfectly suited for most kinds of technical operations, have deteriorated a bit. Knowing this, I objected, and I suggested hiring a professional to do the job and sharing the cost. I argued that any damage or injury that might occur if things went sideways wouldn't be covered by insurance, and would come in quite costly, as beechwood trees are pretty heavy. Also, doing this without even as much as notifying the local authorities might even be illegal. My parents wouldn't have any of it, and my dad even refused to get an estimate from a professional, because why do that when he can do it himself? I did some basic research and found out that the cost would probably come in around 500 to 1,000 euro, which is about 600 to 1,200 dollars. Now that's not a small sum, but the forester or lumberjack who'd take up the work would be responsible for any damage. No dice. Even after trying to bring my points across several times, my dad would say, Nah, we don't need a professional. Why should I waste my hard-earned money when we can do it ourselves? It'll be fine. Just let me do it. So while I usually am able to put them off bad ideas by convincing one of them, this time, both were hellbent on going for it. And once that's the case, all hope is basically lost, as my mother can be stubborn as heck. Now, being property co-owner, I technically could have just forbid my parents to fell those trees on their own. But they're my parents. I love them, they're adults, and they live there, so I refrain from taking the route. So I told them that they should go ahead if they really want to, but I would not help them in this. My mom then asked if I would help them cut it up and carry the wood once the trees were laying on the ground. I agreed. I also begged them to wait for my sister to call back the next day, since I messaged her about the situation and she wanted to back me up. But no, the next morning, I was woken up by my mom calling me to help cut up the first tree, which my father had brought down successfully. So I dutifully crawled out of bed and did my part in this little deforestation project. Tree number 2 and 3 out of 5 were also felled without any incidents. Then came tree number 4. My father had apparently not seen a higher up branch that stretched between the branches of tree number 5. So once the chainsaw had fully severed the stem, instead of falling sideways as intended, it got caught up, swirled around its axis, and crashed into the walnut tree, which started to bend significantly due to the load. They then wanted me to help move the beech tree by pushing it to roll along the edge of one of the walnut tree's main branches, and I refused. As I said, a 15 meter high tree is a pretty heavy affair. They then pleaded and said, but you said you'd help us once a tree is felled. I then pointed out that I would only assist once the tree was laying on the ground, and leaning into a walnut tree doesn't quite fit that definition. There was more pleading, but now it was my time to be stubborn, and rightfully so. Since there was no way to pull the beech tree away, my father then decided to cut parts off the lower stem, until handling it would be possible. Multiple laws of physics however intervened after he had cut the second large chunk, shifting the center of mass of the beech so that it suddenly started to tilt when its branches prevented it from sliding downwards, as intended. Then the walnut tree reacted to the lighter load and shift of balance by springing back, knocking the beach into the neighbor's barn like a battering ram. The dry wooden planks didn't stand a chance, and they splintered away as the felled tree forced its way into the building, creating an impressive hole and destroying the wall. My parents now stood there dumbfounded. My dad slowly scratches his head and tried to realize the situation, while my mom slowly starts to panic saying, Oh no, 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 no. What do we do now? What if the neighbors call police on us? I had watched the spectacle from the balcony, and I couldn't decide whether to be shocked or descend into uncontrollable laughter. Closer investigation from outside showed that the tree had crushed a chair, a table, and also caused a cupboard with party equipment to collapse. 
So even though my dad had at least reached his goal and freed the beach from the grasp of the walnut tree, there was no way of getting it unstuck from the barn. A few hours later, the neighbor, who knew about my parents' plans, returned home, which is where the story might have taken a very bitter and costly turn. But the guy proved to be a very gracious guy and he took the incident in stride. His first reaction was negatively amazed by what had transpired. But after inspection of the barn, he didn't deem it necessary to involve insurance or officials, and he said he would repair the damage by himself if my parents agreed to pay for the materials, replacement of the destroyed furniture, and some beer. Probably a lot of beer for his time, which they gladly accepted. His bill isn't in yet, as he's just begun patching up the hole, but it'll easily be upwards of 2,000 euros, roughly $2,400, plus the beer of course, still making a professional tree removal look like a really good deal. My father did offer to help assist with the repairs, and the neighbor thought about it for a fraction of a second, and then he politely declined, and I wonder why. P.S. Tree number 5 is still standing. Guys, this is the ultimate I told you so to the parents, and OP can hold that over their heads forever. Now, I do understand trying to save money by doing it yourself, but sometimes you just gotta know when to call professionals, especially when it comes to dealing with 50-foot tall trees. Like, it's funny how some people try to save a dime, and it ends up costing a dollar. And hey, I'm glad to read that nobody was hurt, and the neighbor was a good sport about it, so it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This story happened several years ago, and I'm forever relieved that I don't work in a restaurant anymore. At the time, I was working in the kitchen as an assembler. This can be one of the most clutch positions on the line, as you take all the food being prepared by the other cooks and organize it into tickets that can be taken out into the dining room. Accordingly, it's often a bottleneck for food leaving the kitchen. If you have a slow assembler, cooked food dies under the heating lamps. Grilled salmon dries out, fries become soggy, linguine alfredo hardens into concrete, really horrific stuff. Now it's imperative that food does not sit in the window. I was working a weekday lunch shift, which normally is pretty slow. We must have provoked the wrath of the restaurant gods on this day though, because out of nowhere, the store gets hit with a tsunami of customers. I could just barely make out the other cooks through the clouds of shrimp scampi, fryer grease, and cheddar bay biscuits flying through the air. I knew the blizzard was headed my direction, and began putting empty plates in the window with the shape of each ticket that was to leave the kitchen, a technique I had learned to help survive BS like this. On the other side of the window, coordinating the servers, was my manager. Now I shouldn't use his real name, so let's call him Bob instead. 
Bob was a bit hyperactive, and he had an irritating tendency to micromanage kitchen processes, a problem compounded by his not knowing how the F to run a kitchen. When I began putting empty plates in the window so that the incoming interstellar-sized wave of seafood had something to land on, he stops me and says, What are you doing? I tell him I'm putting the plates and their sides in the window because we're about to have a very high volume of food coming through. He then tells me, well, this is Red Lobster. And here, we do things the Red Lobster way. We plate the food when the food is ready. We don't put the sides on early. Now, I did try explaining that Red Lobster way was designed by sentient suits and ties, physically incapable of holding a spatula. That our sacred way, as dictated in the good book of employee training, had died in the trenches of last year's Endless Shrimp special. I told him that while I appreciate the job, I wasn't prepared for an honorable death at the hands of the rush to uphold its most obscure tenets, but he wasn't having any of it. Bob insisted that I take the plates out of the window and only pass him plates and tickets that were 100% completed. Knowing full well that Bob was flying us by the book into a storm of crap, I put on a feces-resistant raincoat, rubbed some Vicks under my nose, and braced for impact. 30 minutes later, the window was chaos. Finished food was left dying in the wings of the window. While I, swiftly enough to avoid reprimand, but with the fatalistic, mechanical motion of a flood pump removing water at a fraction of the rate at which it's arriving, plated up one finished ticket at a time. Bob was equal parts confused and furious, like a toddler whose toy was suddenly taken away. He says, What's this food waiting on? He cried gesturing towards a shriveled up steak and its associated sides. I tell him, well, that order's waiting on some fried shrimp, and I need to wait for the ticket to be complete before I plate it up. He then screams at me and says, why's the ticket missing fried shrimp? I tell him, unfortunately, I'm not manning the fryer, sir, so I don't know. This continued on for the better part of an hour. It seemed like every ticket was missing one little thing that kept it from leaving the kitchen. After a rush... Bob approached me with a twitchy, nervous energy of a coked-up boxer. Well, that or a hyper-caffeinated, insecure manager who needs to assert his dominance over the underpaid crew of some bunk seafood restaurant. He then says, Hey, can I, uh, can I speak to you in the walk-in for a moment? I tell him, sure thing. We then walk to the cooler, as I struggle to remember how to fight off an attacker armed with a kitchen knife from my days in dish. He then asked me, so what happened back there? Bob had his arms folded, shifting his weight from one foot to the other, and I told him, you said that we should follow the system, and we did. Now I say that mentally noting that he was standing in front of the walk-ins only exit. He then says to me, but there were a lot of missed items on those tickets, we had food dying in the window. I tell him, yeah, I saw it, it was pretty bad. So, why was the food missing? I tell him, I don't know, I wasn't cooking the food, I was assembling it, I am the assembler. Now this line of questioning continued, with Bob trying to somehow pin the catastrophe of the last hour on my willingness to comply with his orders, while I insisted that I did exactly what was asked of me. After not being able to move past this point for several minutes, Bob made some sweeping statement about doing better next time, and then he left. Incidentally, the next time I was assembling and Bob was on the other side of the window, nothing was said about the Red Lobster way, and the rush went smoother. I guess we ended up doing better after all. I feel like OB should have kept doing it the Red Lobster way to really let Bob know how inefficient that is. Guys, I love the stories where managers think they know better, but they don't, and they just end up ruining everything. So this one goes back to the previous neighborhood our family lived in. It was a really nice quiet horseshoe-shaped street, but it had no sidewalks. 
When my wife and I would walk the dogs and our kids, we would have to walk in the street. Now this wasn't a problem, unless a car came and we would have the kids step aside into the grass to stay out of the streets while the car passed. The neighborhood was built in the 80s, and many residents are the original owners. Mostly nice, but of course we have some nasty humanoids among them. One neighbor in particular seems to always have something mean to say when we go by. She's a deacon at the church my family goes to, and she's the type to be religious for face value only. So one day in particular, she yelled at us for allowing our kids to step on her grass while avoiding a car in the road. And I told her that they were just stepping aside until the car passed. She then gets overly angry and starts spraying a hose at us, screaming like a banshee. We then hurried the kids away and told them that they did nothing wrong. And from now on, we'll walk on the other side of the street. So about two weeks later, her and her husband got a new shed installed at their house, and they had to have the property surveyed for it. As I drove by, I noticed something. The front property boundary was about 10 feet back from the road. The houses on their side of the streets were all a little further back. I had a friend who does surveying come out and do our property, and sure enough, our boundary was about 3 feet from the road. We did some digging through the archives at City Hall and found out that the neighborhood was permitted and designed to have a sidewalk that ran the length of the horseshoe on her side of the street. The 10 feet right of way was designed to have curbing, grass, and then a sidewalk. So I did what any sane person would do in this situation. I contacted the township to have a sidewalk put in. The township notified all the residents of the request and held an open hearing for it during a township meeting. Most of the neighbors showed up in support of it, most didn't care, but that nasty woman shows up to protest it and she raised all hell. A month later, they began excavating for the sidewalk and when they got to her house, she had planted a big landscape piece with flowers and shrubs and a tree right in the way. The township told her to remove it, she didn't, and they fined her and removed it themselves. Now the best part of the story is that two weeks after the sidewalk was finished and in, we listed our house and we moved to another neighborhood. The woman still makes nasty remarks to my mother at church and we drive by her house while visiting our old neighbors every now and then. Honestly, she should thank OP for that sidewalk because it most likely increased her property value. But being that much of a nightmare neighbor, I can see why she protested it. A sidewalk in front of her house means more people walking in front of her house. I think she just needs a friend. And that brings us to another end of our slash malicious compliance. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you did, hit that thumbs up. And if you missed yesterday's episode on the channel, an entitled Karen stalks OP in a grocery store because she wants her bag. It's another really ridiculous story, so go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.